0: Well, it is our, our final week. We're in the, the home stretch. Uh, everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're almost there. Now everyone else, just, just take a deep, relaxing breath. The mall will be there in an hour. You know, <laughs> gift wrapping will be there in an hour. You're going to be Okay. Just take this little moment right now, the next 30 minutes, and, and just be with me and trust that God will multiply your day by two or three, you know? You're going to get there. You're going to do it. I believe in you. As we, as we think about Christmas, I want us to remember that this is, this is a moment where we celebrate uh, the the person of Jesus Christ. You know, the church has had throughout history really two moments that they have looked at throughout the year. Christmas and Easter, Christmas being the moment where we look at the person of Jesus Christ, and Easter being the moment that we look at the work of Jesus Christ. And so we're looking at Jesus and saying, okay, who is this person? What has he come as? What does it mean that he's incarnate, the son of God? What does that look like for our lives? And so today I want us to think about Jesus and, and what it means to trust a God who is a God of impossibilities, what does it look like for you to trust a God who is a God of impossibilities? Now, my guess is that you've got issues in your life. Many of you have issues in your life, and some of them seem insurmountable. They seem like impossibilities. How am I going to get through this time? Maybe it's Christmas, and how, you know, I the, the month is, is still not over, but my money is over. And so the impossibility is, how, is I, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get the gifts that I need to get? How am I going to pay for whatever? How am I going to meet the bills? What is the impossibility in your life? Maybe it's a relational challenge that you're experiencing. You know, I, I love Christmas time, but it's re, the reality is that sometimes it's a time where, where there's a lot of things that are dredged up either because of loss or because of broken relationship. And the, the, the question is, how am I going to make it through this time? Am I, am I just going to slog through it like I'm walking through emotional, painful mud? Or am I going to be able to walk on water? What does it look like for me to to do the impossible in the context of this season? So we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses uh, 26 through 36. Now, normally, we read this out loud. But for the sake of time and length, I'm going to read it out. um, Because it is is, uh, long. So we're going to read out of Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And this is out of the ESV. And it says this. In the sixth month, the angel, of, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel answered her the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born the child to be born will be called holy the son of God. And behold your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said behold I am the servant of the Lord Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, as we consider Christmas time and the obedience of the mother of God, Mary, I pray that you would help us to walk with a similar kind of trust and faith in the God of the impossible. God, I pray that you would show from your word just how powerful you are. And I pray that you would help us to, to have faith that, that allows us to trust you and your plans and your purposes over against our own ability to make it happen. Lord, would you, would you change our hearts would you give us a greater faith in you? We pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. So this is a fairly familiar story if you've if you've been to church and you you've probably heard this this interaction between this guy Gabriel not a guy he's an angel an archangel kind of a big deal in the Bible and and he comes and he comes to to Mary and it says in verses twenty six and twenty seven. Gabriel was sent from God. Gabriel was on a mission. He was not just some sort of rogue angel. In fact, he represented, he was the emissary of God. He represented God in his word. So when Gabriel came, really God was there in word. Now, Gabriel is not God, that's not what I'm saying, but Gabriel represented the word of God in the same way that if I call one of my children and, and they don't hear me and then I say, okay, you child who's in front of me, go tell so-and-so that I'm calling them. That child is representing me in some way, shape, or form. Hopefully not in a rude, daddy said you need to go upstairs. <laughs> I, I didn't say it like that, but so Gabriel is representing the authority and presence of God, and he, and he goes to this young lady, Mary, and now Mary is this young lady, we believe she's probably in her teens, late teens and she's a virgin she's betrothed that means she's engaged but it's more than just an engagement of like oh you're so handsome and i'm so pretty and we love each other and you know i got a ring and no, no there's this is kind of a legal thing it she's been betrothed there's there's an expectation that 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 she's going to maintain her virginity that she's pure and chaste and and that that they are going to get married and she's betrothed to a man named Joseph, which we talked about a number of weeks ago, that he is in the lineage of David, that, that the two of them together, they represent uh, individuals whose family falls within this line of David, the, the great king. And, and so from here, from this setting that, that Luke gives us, we have this interesting dialogue. So look at verses uh, 28 and following with me. And Gabriel came to her and said, "Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you." Greetings, O oh favored one. The Lord is with you. Now imagine you're a teenager. You don't have to imagine you're a teenage girl, but if you're a, girl, a woman, you can do that. If you're a young man, just imagine a teenager, and and you you are confronted with authority. Not just authority, but godlike, powerful authority. Sometimes when we think of angels, we think of you know sweet, you know effeminate, maybe woman, long blonde hair and and wings that are soft. They're not, you know, if you've ever looked at birds' wings, they're kind of gross, but you think of, you think of angels, and they're like, oh, that's fantastic. Don't we all want wings like that? I'll, I'll sleep on those feathers. That's not Gabriel. In fact, in heaven, I, I think there are moments where he's probably like, what do they even know? How, no. Why? Gabriel was an archangel. He was powerful. When he showed up in other situations when other angels had shown up in situations, uh people would freak out, they would think, "Oh no, this is a, you know an enemy warrior and so he he shows up and and, and imagine again we're, the, we're a teenager you're, you're young you're you know you don't like authority you're, maybe not you don't dislike authority, but it's intimidating and he says, greetings, oh favored one," and that word there oh favored one it, in the original language, it has the same, it's the same word as, as a graced one. You could say it, oh, graced one, oh, one who has received unmerited favor, received grace from God. Greetings, one who has received grace from God. You see, Mary was an individual who, who had not, she was a sweet young lady, she was chaste, but she had not earned anything from God. She's received grace. This was not an affirmation of her performance but of rather God's unconditional love. Gabriel comes to her in a moment and says, God loves you unconditionally and he has a special grace for your life. Now, when we think of how we approach God, do you think of your approach towards God as one of performance? I'm gonna come to God by my good works? I'm coming to church today because this week I did a great job. I didn't cut anyone off. People were driving like maniacs at Target, but you know I prayed for them. And I, you know, I didn't cut them off. I didn't slash their tires. The thought crossed my mind, but I didn't do that. Or, or, or do you approach God recognizing that there's nothing that we can bring to him that will actually uh, bridge the gap between him and us, the gap that's there because of our sin? Mary was not approaching She's not, she was not being approached because of her performance. She was being approached because of the grace that God had given. The reality is, family, God has extended grace. God has extended grace. Sometimes we, we look at God and we think, oh, i, I got to clean up, i got to get right before I can come to him. No, God has initiated. He's not awaiting God. If he was awaiting God, no one would get to heaven because none of us could get close enough to him because of our sin. He initiates, he sends Gabriel, and in the same way he initiates with you and me. Today he's initiating. He's saying through the word that there's a grace for your life that's been established through, through Jesus Christ. There's a grace for you to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a grace for you to live a holy life in Jesus Christ. Have you heard these words for yourself? We're not Mary. You know, she does play a a specific role that none of us will play. But we do relate to God like Mary did, as those in need of grace. But not only is she favored, he says that the Lord is with you. You see, family, the presence of God follows the grace of God. Say it with me. The presence of God follows the grace of God. Thank you. I didn't lead well. Um, The presence of God follows the grace of God. Where God's grace is, there his presence comes. You see this in, in in the New Testament. God, he initiates the grace of God. Adam and Eve, they sin. He initiates the grace of God by killing an animal and his presence comes. Right, God comes and he is present with Adam and Eve despite their sin, despite their disobedience the Israelites in captivity, crying out to God. The grace of God in the person Moses, who prefigures Christ, who typifies Christ, who, who is an example of Christ, he comes, the grace of God comes personified in Moses. And then what happens? We see the presence and power of God in, in the plagues that, that attack, Israel, uh, attack Egypt. And then we see the presence represented in a pillar of cloud, cloud and the pillar of fire that leads them through the desert. The, the presence of God follows the grace of God. And he says, the, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. You and I experienced the presence of God to bless, not because we've done a good job, not because we're, you know, we're really crossing our T's and dotting our I's and saying our, our hallelujahs as we're supposed to, but because we have the grace of God, because we have the grace of God. That shifts everything around because sometimes as Christians, you and I, we look at our lives and we look at the difficulties of our life and we say, oh no, the presence of God is not with me. Oh no, I've I've messed things up. Oh no, uh, this this difficult situation that I'm going through, a legitimately difficult situation is, is a sign that the presence of God is not with me. But no, if the grace of God is with you, the presence of God is with you. And my friends, my family, uh, the the grace of God does not leave if you are in Christ. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the presence of God dwells within you in the person of the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't go away. Now, you may be more aware of him or less aware of him at times. He may be more uh, visibly active at times, but he is present. He is with you to bless. Gabriel says... The Lord is with you. Now, how does this teenager, Mary, respond? Look at verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, probably yes, and tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. You know, for, for Mary, what's just, it's, it's really neat to see. She's a, she would have been in our lift program. And this angel comes and says, God has favored you. You know, for me, I would have been like, awesome, let's do this. I'm now, you know, superhero number one. Do I, get a, do I get a laser, Gabriel? Do I get a sword? What are we doing here? Who do I need to go kill? What do I need to do? I'm ready. But there was a humility about Mary that she was saying, I don't know about this. She understood who she was. She's like, I'm, I'm nobody. I come from Nazareth. You know, there's a, there's a little town as you drive south, uh, if you go towards Raleigh or Greensboro, sometimes we, we would do that, and it's, it's a town called Dinwiddie. It's a small town. It's a very small town. I mean, any, na- any city town named Dinwiddie, <laughs> it's going to be a small town. You don't have the metropolis of Dinwiddie. That's just not a thing. <laughs> She's from a small town. She knows this. You know, she, it, it's just interesting to me that, that she hears this amazing, God has favored you, oh favored one, God is with you, and she's like, why? What's what's going on? What what is your what is your attitude towards the 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 blessings and the grace of God that's extended to you? You know, for me, sometimes it's very ungrateful. You know, I look at my life and I'm like, okay, I know that you died for my sins, God, but my car has got a, a nail in its tire. What's that about? Why can't I just have something good go on in my life? And God's like, I'm uh, pretty sure you got a lot of good things going on in your life. I mean, you're alive, you're not burning in hell. Uh, I, I don't mean to be abrupt, but there are good things going on. And I don't mean to diminish the difficulties that we all have. The reality is we do face those difficulties, but they all ha- happen. If you're in Christ, they all happen within in the context of God's grace. Amen. She has this graceful, grateful acceptance. If our attitude towards the blessing of God is is one where we don't appreciate the fact that, we don't appreciate our position as sinners in need of a savior and sinners who have been reconciled to God. Certainly we're sons and daughters of God if we're in Christ. But there's still a humility that comes and and that in a moment like this, I'm I'm challenged to say, "Am am I saying of my life, my life should be this way? Man, why isn't it this way? Or am I saying, thank you, Lord, that my life is this way? And I'm not, I'm not trying to say, find the silver lining you know, if, if you just lost your job or someone in your family has passed or you have this marital problem or whatever the situation, I'm not trying to say, well, you know, at least your marital problem isn't murder. Um, I, I'm not saying that the challenges that you have are non-existent or inconsequential. But what I'm saying is there's a grace in your life if you're in Christ that allows you to say, this is really hard, but I can still rejoice in the Lord. You know, Paul says it in, I think, First Thessalonians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, and the question really, Paul? And for Paul, he was like, yeah, yeah. I'm writing this from prison. Yes. <laughs> rejoice in, the, I mean, I don't, I'd have to look it up. I don't know if he's writing First Thessalonians. But he wrote a lot of books from prison. And, and he had been beaten. And he had been whipped. And he was saying, rejoice in the Lord Always. Because when you, when you position yourself correctly, when you understand who you are, that, that God is favoring you, that there's grace coming to you, you can say, whatever comes is grace. Whatever comes, there is grace in it and through it. When we remember that we don't deserve to receive grace, gratitude becomes second nature. Now, it's, it's interesting, if you look at Gabriel's response to her kind of, eh, he, he seems to understand and sense her apprehension. Because he goes on to reassure her. Look at verses 30 through 33 with me. He says in verse 30, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He goes and he, he seriously, Mary, you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom and of his kingdom, there will be no end. He's going to be glorious. This is going to be amazing. He's going to be the son of the most high and he's going to, he's going to walk in and and he's going to be the one who's, who's been prophesied about, who's going to sit on the throne of King David, the, the king who would establish the kingdom of David Forever. It's going to be awesome. Mary, you're going to love it. You get to be a part of the story. And it's funny because we'll come back but but Mary's response is no wait, but what? Huh? You said I'm going to have a baby? Like I she didn't even hear the other stuff. It was just like, you're going to have a baby. She's like, "No, I'm not." Hold on a second. She didn't say no I'm not. But um but yeah. But he says, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. If you found favor with God, if you found grace with God, fear is not a thing anymore. If you find fear in your soul, it's because you have forgotten an aspect of the grace of God in your life. Doesn't mean that there aren't things that could be fearful in your life. But what does he say? I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the greatest of all of our enemies, our sin. He's overcome death. When we begin to think about those things, our other problems, they come into the right focus. They don't disappear, but we see them as we should. Do not be afraid for you have found favor. And he gives this calling. You'll bear a son. He he, he will be Jesus. The word name Jesus means that God saves. He'll He'll be a great and called the son of the most high and he'll sit on the throne of David. Now Mary has, she has a pretty honest question, right? She says, how will this be since I am a virgin? Mary was a chaste young lady. She, had, she was an obedient Jewish young lady and she had good reason. She understood biology and she said, this is, this is a no-go for me. Not, I'm not sure how this works. Now what's interesting is if, if you read this chapter and you skip down in, in chapter one, you see about the John the Baptist being promised. And, and Zechariah kind of has this similar interaction with the same angel, Gabriel. Gabriel's like, hey, you're gonna have a son. You've been praying for him. It's gonna be totally awesome. And Zechariah says, no, I'm an old man. How is that gonna be possible? But what's interesting is, is the language there is actually kind of different. So, so Mary says, how will this be? in very general terms, but he says how in a different phrasing and he says how after the, the, the angel has said, you've prayed for this. So whereas Mary's question was an honest, I don't, I mean, I know I'm not a scientist, but I don't know how this is gonna happen. But for Zechariah, it was a matter of unbelief. He'd been praying for something and God said, I'm gonna answer your prayer and he, and he said, no, you're not. God, you're not good enough to answer my prayer. I've been waiting for so long, I don't believe you. And so he's struck with muteness for, until John would be born. But for, for Mary, the story is different, and, and he, the angel answers her question. Family, God is not afraid of your questions. It's not your questions that bother God. It's when we say, I don't, believe that you're the good God that you say you are when God gives us the answer and we say no that's the thing that bothers God ask away God why is this happening what's going on I don't understand this why why am I having so much trouble in this area why is my job you know why am I having so much trouble getting a job God why is there so much strife in my in my family what is going on in this situation what does my future hold why don't I see a future for me ask. But when God answers through his word, listen. How does she respond? He, he gives the answer, um, I'm sorry, he, he gives the answer, verse 35, and the angel came to her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That word, overshadow you, that's the same, woo, all the way in the, um, in, in, in Egypt, or not Egypt, in, in the wilderness, when God would come and descend on the tabernacle. The presence of God would be heavy in that place. It it expresses the power of God being worked. So he was saying, God's power is gonna gonna come and and do something in you. And there's gonna be a baby. He says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, Therefore, because of this, the child will be born and called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, and who is called barren. He says, you want proof? I mean, I've given lots of proof. I, I, he says, um, well, he goes on and he says, for nothing is impossible with God. When he, when he says nothing is impossible with God, he's quoting the Old Testament, where Abraham was talking to an angel, and and the what well, we believe is the angel. It's pre- Christ pre-incarnate, and, and he says, um, "I'm going to come back, and and, and you're you're going to have a son. You, you know this this prophecy is going to happen." And he says, "For nothing is impossible. For is anything impossible with God?" And so Gabriel is is going back, and he's quoting that nothing is impossible with God. And he said, "And if there's any question, go to Elizabeth, go to your rel- a relative Elizabeth, who was barren." Because I've opened her womb and she's about to have a baby, and he 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 waited. The time the time frame was right. He was like, "It's going to be six months, so you're going to know." You know, for those of you who don't have babies, babies showing at six months. There's a baby bump there. So he he says, "You're going to know." Nothing's impossible with God. The angel basically gives Mary a decision to make. In the same way that you and I are faced with the decision. So all the questions are answered for Mary. All the direction has been given to Mary. And she's faced with this question. Do I trust the God of the impossible? Or do I trust my own ability to manage and control my life? Do I trust the God of the impossible? Or do I manage my own life? And this is not just a, hey, do I, do I become, you know, Mother Mary, the, the most celebrated woman in all of creation? That's, that's not what's on her mind. What's on her mind is, do I live a life where people think that I have a bastard son and I, that I, I'm a, a woman of ill repute and think that I'm crazy because I say that this is the son of God? Oh, sure, it's the son of God. Is that what the kids are calling it these days? <laughs> that, that's what she was walking into. She knew that. Or do I try and, do I try and finagle my, my way out of this? Do I try to make my own way? The question was, am I going to trust God or am I going to trust my own abilities? Family, sin in its most basic form is the failure to trust God. Adam and Eve, they had heard the word of God. Don't eat of that tree. Trust me. I'm good. I made you. Do you see all these bacon trees over here? You got everything you need. probably not accurate, but sure, we'll go for it. But what did they do? They, they failed to trust the word of God. Family, if you struggle with anger, at its core, it's a failure to trust the goodness and the justice of God. Mm-hmm. This shouldn't happen to me. People should not act like maniacs at Target. Clearly, I've been damaged by Target in the last week. <laughs> And my anger is a reflection of my failure to trust the justice of God that will be meted out on anyone who doesn't trust in him. I, I joke, but that's, that's the reality. Anxiety. It's the, it's the failure to trust the word of God that says, rest. I've got this. God, I know you got this, but have you looked at these details? Have you really considered the timeline, God, I'm going to stay up. You go to sleep, God. I'm going to think through this. I'm going to spitball a couple things. am going to make a plan. And then I'm going to fix that plan with my other plan. And these three plans that I'm going to put together, you know, I will look at them again and then I'll pray about it. But I'll just stick with my plan. Like that, that is a failure to trust God. Pride. It's a failure to trust that God is God. You know, God, I know you're God, but I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> Boredom with God. I don't like to go to church. It's boring. This is so, can I just play a video game? I don't want to read my Bible. You know, I know God said that I need to be faithful in my marriage, but this is boring. I know God said that I need to to walk with integrity, but it is boring. I want a Lexus. That's a failure to trust that God is full of pleasure and joy. That God is a God who can Satisfy you. Like, uh, yeah, okay, I know you can satisfy me. Okay, you praise the Lord. But can I please have X? Can I, can I please have Y? I know, God, that this is the way that you want marriage to go, that this is the way you want finances to go, that this is the way you want relationships to go, but that's boring. That's not, that's a failure to trust God. Mary was faced with the ultimate decision do I trust God or do I trust me? How does she respond? Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, in, I don't, I don't want to be nerdy, but in the Greek, in verse 37, when it says, for nothing will be impossible with God, it says, literally, for every word, will be not impossible with God. Terrible English, right? But it says every word will not be impossible with God. And she says, I am your servant. Let it be according to me, according to your word. And she's saying, nothing's impossible with God. Every word is not impossible with God. And she's saying, let your word be the case here. I am your servant, Faith is seeing the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, and believing the Word of God. Faith is hearing, You can't do this. I've made a way. Trust me. And that's what she does. She says, I trust you. And not only that, she says, Who am I? I am a servant of the Lord. What is my identity? What am I going to work out of? My identity is ultimately, I am a servant of the Lord. Family, what is your ultimate foundational, fundamental identity today? Are you ultimately, fundamentally your own person who gets to make your own decision and and answers to no one? I'm my own man. I get to do what I want. This is America. Or do you recognize that we're all a slave to something? You may be a slave to your own desires, but you're still a slave. The question is not whether or not you will be a slave. It's to what you will be a slave. She says, I am a servant. I'm a slave of the Lord. Let it be as you've said let it be as you have said. She's able to make the right decision to trust him because she understands who she is. Family, when we say, you know, I don't trust you, God, what we're saying is ultimately I'm not a follower, I'm not a servant of God. Ultimately, I am my own God. See, our sin is not just a an inability to make the right decision. A sin is a declaration of our own deity. But she makes this right choice. And the angel departed from her. Today, you're faced with a decision. We're faced with a decision afresh. Maybe you're trying to figure this whole Christian thing out. You don't know, you know. You know he's kind of grumpy sometimes. They talk about hell and how I can't do what I want to do. Maybe you're trying to figure this out. And I would say that you're faced with a decision that I'm not trying to, I'm not making up. It's not Eddie's decision for your life. You know, as if if you left this building no one else would care and and the the decision wouldn't be if if there's a god if there's a god which we believe that to be the case and and if he has demands upon your and my life then there's a decision before you not because i'm saying that whether or not i say it the decision still exists are you going to trust god or yourself and if you are in christ That doesn't remove the responsibility to say, I'm going to today, again, trust God. You don't start by trusting God and then say, well, now that I'm in heaven or I'm, I'm, I'm in the kingdom of God, I'm going to do it my way because, God, we really know you did the great thing over there with the gospel. But when it comes to my personal life, I'm really good at running it. You're not really good at running it. I love you. You still need to be trusting God. Now, that yeah, anyways, we still need to be trusting God. Who are you going to trust? In your anxiety, in your anger, in your fear, in your boredom, in your frustration, in your lust. Are you going to trust God to provide, to be the right thing? Or are you going to trust your own ability to make things happen? Are you going to live out of your identity? Are you going to trust God for your provision? Are you going to trust God as a satisfa- satisfaction and purpose that you seek? Are you going to trust God as the solution to your sins and try to, or try to bridge the gap yourself? Mary understood that she was a servant of the Lord. My Final question to you. Are you the servant of the Lord or is the Lord your servant? Are you the servant of the Lord or is the Lord your servant? There's no group work here. This is not a, you know, we're co-leading. You know, He handles the big picture stuff, I handle the day-to-day. No, that's not a thing. If you ever co-led in real life, it's really not a thing. Are you a servant of the Lord? Do you trust the God of impossible? Do you trust the God of the impossible? I'm not asking you to be awesome. I'm asking you to trust the God who is awesome. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you that you love us and that you've expressed that love by sending your son. And in this season, as we celebrate the the advent of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray that we would appreciate the grace that you have extended to us, that all of us would appreciate it, that I would appreciate it more. This grace that says, even though um, you are a sinner, Eddie Barnes, even though you are in need of, of salvation, I have made a way. Not because of anything you did, not because of anything you said, not because I owe you anything, says God, but because I am a good God. Father, would you help us to trust the God of the impossible? If you're in this room and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord as and Savior, if you've never trusted him as the one to whom you are a servant, of whom you are a servant, but you want to trust him today, can I pray for you? Can you just raise your hand? Great, once that's hand's up, you can put it back down. This is not magical. There's nothing magical in raising your hand. It's just a a response that says, I am responding to what I'm hearing. I'm believing with my actions the things that I've heard. I'm believing that, that God, you are God and I am not. And I am your servant. If you raise your hand, just pray with me. God, I turn away from everything I know to be sin. I turn away from trusting my own ability to make things happen in my life and I turn to trusting in you. I trust in your son, Jesus Christ, who died for my sins and rose again. And I ask you to forgive me for my sins and help me to live a life of trusting you like Mary. Lord God, we pray that you'd bless us and help us to walk in greater degrees of trust in you. Help us to remember that you are the God of the impossible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you, family.